0: Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey, heroes. This week I spoke to Alex Samoilov about a couple of their games, The Spiral and Parable of the Pit. I was initially curious about the play experience of Parable and its use as metaphor, but the more we talked, the clearer it became that Alex's development of the Spiral over the years had a significant impact on developing Parable of the Pit, and to a degree vice versa. Parable is powered by the Apocalypse, while the Spiral is an original system, but more than that we got to talk about how working on multiple projects affects one another, and they modify each other in ways you hadn't necessarily planned. I hope you'll enjoy the glimpse into this development style as much as I did, as well as hearing about these two seemingly disparate games. Let's get to the show. Alright, so I'm joined this week by Alex Samoylov, and uh, we are going to talk about a couple of their games. Hey Alex.
1: Uh, hi, I'm really excited. Excited to be here.
0: Good, me too. I'm glad you're here. Uh, but, but, so before we get into talking about some of your very cool games, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit of projects you've worked on, places people might know you from?
1: Uh, sure. I don't know a, a lot of places where people might know me from. Uh, I do have some Twitter, Twitter followers. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have some Twitter followers. So you know, and and I do have a, a actual play podcast called Underworld Blues and Other Stories, um, which is kind of tied into one of the games we'll be talking about. Um, and I knew, I do know there's at least one fan I have on there. So that's nice. Um, oh, that's or, good. yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I put up a lot of games on itch.io, um, or itch.io, um, both digital and analog. Um, so, you know, people might know me from, from some of the digital games. Twine games, Unity games, etc., cetera, so forth.
0: Oh, cool. So you, you work in all sorts of mediums.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a compulsion for me, I think. Kind <laughs> of can't I can't really do otherwise. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's a feeling that most game designers share. <laughs> yeah, I think
1: yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, cool. So we got to talking because of um, actually two of your games is what we were we were talking a lot about. Um, I was super interested in a powered by the apocalypse hack that you have called the Parable of the Pit, um, and then also a another game called Spiral, which I believe is its own system, right? You, you yes, cool. And uh, and as we were talking, we you know you you mentioned. Uh, in a couple of different ways how the games have influenced each other and and helped you build you know the the other game think lessons that you've learned things that came up uh the way that they helped you focus that sort of thing and uh and that was really interesting to me because i feel like uh creative people of all types uh especially game designers like we can we kind of want to I feel like we need to focus in on one thing and that to be scattered across multiple projects is sort of detrimental, but, uh, it sounds like that's not really the case here.
1: Uh, yeah, I, maybe, maybe this is, uh, not the most common thing in the world. I don't know. A lot of people do benefit from focusing in. I, I sometimes would, but, um, basic, basically I, I can't help it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it's really the only way that I can kind of manage to get stuff out there, which can be a little bit problematic because it makes finishing things a little bit, uh, difficult. Um, Mm. but I mean, yeah, in terms of
0: finishing things is hard though. So
1: (laughs) it's difficult in general. Um, in terms of spiral, uh, that's, I've been working on that in some version or another for, uh, a good decade or maybe longer. Uh, so since I guess junior year in college and yeah, but I, what I was working on then and what, what finally came out just have almost no resemblance to each other. So, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the process is, is just sort of an iterative one. I, think I I kind of get a mechanic or an idea or something that comes up in one and, and I kind of solve a problem. And then sometimes you, I can't, kind of, you know, there's, there's a tendency to apply the solution to that problem again mm-hmm. Instead of solving it uh, a second mm-hmm. time around, uh, mm-hmm. and I think just in terms of how how games work and how mechanics and and sort of the narrative element of it work together, I learned just a lot from that very very long long process. <laughs> you know, so the you know the recent games haven't been taking ten years, so that's good.
0: <laughs> that is good. That is improvement. Yeah. categorically.
1: Yeah. So. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if that answers the question or yeah. addresses
0: the. Yeah, that's that's our, our our thesis that we have set forward for this episode is oh. is we'll we'll keep coming back to that point. How about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, then let's start with Spiral then, since uh, chronologically that came first. Um, what kind of game is Spiral?
1: Uh, Spiral is uh, fairly, kinda, I guess. I guess it's a fairly traditional, I would say, quote unquote. A generalist system, so you can basically take it and port it to any setting, any um, kind of game that you want to play. Which you know, oh. I don't, I don't know if the world needs another one of them, but <laughs> I, I needed it, I guess. So yeah, um, so it exists. It's a percentile-based system, so you know, D one hundred and all that. Okay, I find that I find that to just be kind of, I like that a lot, basically, because it 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 sort of uh, is a very straightforward way of thinking Mm -hmm. about resolution mechanics once you kind of get past the weird, the weird die rolling thing, the roll low paradigm. And it's actually kind of specifically designed with this sort of hacking philosophy in mind. I basically designed it so that it it has like specific crunchy rules here and there, but then a lot Mm -hmm. of space in between them or built on top of them for, um, GMs and, you know, players in negotiation with their GMs and, um, potentially other designers if they feel like it. I don't know if, if you know, yeah. I, it's going to be out under the OGL so they can mess around with it if they want. Um, for, for them to oh, just, yeah, cool. you know, they can, you know, build whatever they need on top of it or change things or hack things without sort of breaking it. I would hope, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the idea behind it, I guess.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. What, kind of, what kind of setting are you doing in your actual play for Spiral? So in our
1: actual play, we're doing a um, sort of early industrial, sort of Middle Eastern or Persian fantasy-ish scoundrel-ish setting. So, um, okay. I mean, makes Sense. Basic. So the main characters are sort of these uh, picaresque, like anti-heroes that are going to do a heist, um, in a, yeah. in this very cosmopolitan desert, desert city. You know, they have, they have, uh, fun and hijinks ensue. So it's, you know, I've been enjoying that. Excellent. Yeah. It's, it's basically a playtest, um, uh, opportunity, yeah. but I decided might as well record it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I like that that's it's such a different kind of setting than we usually get with, um, you know, you're, you, the open systems are really cool in that they let you do anything, but there seems to be some, like, go-tos that we tend to, like, fantasy, sci-fi, does it do cyberpunk, does it do, you know, those sorts of things. So, so to see it do something a little bit different is very cool. Yeah,
1: I was just, I was tired of, like, you know, European or kind of Euro-centric uh, medieval Hobbit, mm. Hobbit fantasies, uh, halflings rather. Sorry, I think Hob- yeah, <laughs> you're know, yeah. allowed to say <laughs> Hobbit on on the internet. Um,
0: but yeah, <laughs> we're going to come for you. Now. <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, so and and you know, uh, I, I'm I'm a person of sort of of, of um, complex descent uh, of Persian descent in large part. Um So you know, I wanted to kind of do something that was influenced by that, but um it has all sorts of you know, it's it's kind of like a weird steampunk magic. Slash, you know, fantasy. It'll, yeah, it's it's an interesting setting. Cool. I've been enjoying.
0: Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. So, so how did you get started making Spiral? What were you trying to achieve when you started?
1: Well, um, I mean, I, I've I, I've always had a bit of it. I guess like a lot of people who either listen to the show or come on the show or not. I I just have a very strong tendency to to like make my own stuff. Just. Sure. As a, as a, as a compulsion sometimes, like I said. So, you know, I started off with not surprisingly, uh, messing around with D and D and because that's all I knew that existed. And for, you know, I, like a lot of people, I don't super, um, love D and D anymore, but I love, you know, I obviously have fond memories mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I, and I think fifth edition is cool. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah mechanically it's, it's, you know, much better uh but, uh, but anyways, uh, you know, I started messing around with D&D. And then when I discovered that other things existed and other things were possible, in uh, sometime late in my teenage years. And uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite systems at the time was uh, the, well, basically basic, the basic role-playing system, which I think mm. most people, most people know, know it uh, through uh, the Call of Cthulhu. Right. That's kind of the big flagship. Franchise uh, for them, but uh, you know it's by Chaosium. and there are things I liked about that, and I, there are things that I didn't like about it. Uh, one of the things that I that I liked is that is the percentile dice, you know, um, and then just kind of the simplicity and the relative the relative quickness with which character creation was achieved, the fact that it wasn't focused on kind of turn based tactical combat and all of that. That was you know that 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 was a revelation for me. Later on, Call of Cthulhu is, you know, has problems. It's not just, you know, not mechanically speaking, just in terms of representation and ableism and sanity, sure. sanity mechanics. Um, I could talk about mm-hmm. that for a couple of, uh, weeks. But, um, but primarily I was just like, there's still, there was still too much sort of, I wanted to, to, to simplify it further in a sense. And okay. at, at the time, I had no idea how I was going to do that. Like, I messed around with D and D, and I made my mo- my own modules, and I wanted to run my players through it. But then, you know, in middle school and high school, it doesn't always work out. It really depends on whose mom or dad are willing to like pick you yeah. up and drive you. You know, <laughs> so you know, I I made all of that stuff, but I had a system to work with, and make and you know, being an ambitious child. Doesn't necessarily translate into skill or ability, but it's a good learning experience. So I think I think in, in a certain sense I sort of started fiddling around with it in like in, as early as high school. Um, but like around like I said like around like college I the I don't know. There's a long story there, and then I guess the short story there. Um, the long story is uh, well. The short version of the long story is that someone I knew from high school um, quote unquote commissioned but for free which I shouldn't do need to basically write a murder mystery party for them for 40 people
0: oh my gosh yeah, yeah
1: it was not a, it was not a good idea I should not have said yes to that um, I know that now and, and, and it was yeah it was 40 people and you know I had to write all these different characters and figure out a way for that to work as a murder mystery and I've never done anything like that before and it was you know it, it was fine. It, it destroyed my, my soul a little bit. Um, because I, you mm-hmm. know, again, I, I had no idea what I was signing up for. But then after having gone through that ordeal, I was just like, you know, if I can do this, I can do anything. So I got really excited and started instead just, you know, my own thing. And, um, you know, it was terrible for about five years, <laughs> five or six years after that. Well, but it's
0: all about the perspective that you right. have on it. Yeah. I mean, I,
1: yeah, like as a broad theory thing about tabletop RPGs and storytelling games and you know analog games in general. I think storytelling games in particular, you know, a lot of times people talk mm-hmm. about like whether something works or doesn't work and mm-hmm. ultimately that I think boils down to are the people who are playing and buying into it in that one moment? Is it working right now? And is it also doing yeah. what the sort of designer wants it to do because everything works if you want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I don't like um, Pathfinder very much in terms of the mechanics and no offense to and, you know, I, I, but here's the thing. I personally may not be super into it, but it's one of the most popular systems in the world. It might maybe be the sure. most popular. And, you know, who, who am I to say anything about that? That's that, that says something. <laughs> you know. So clearly, yeah. it works for people, not just not for me. You know, I play in a Pathfinder uh, game on Thursdays, but mostly for social for social reasons. Not you know? yeah, <laughs> it's it's, it's it'd be harder to find other kinds of games groups and so on. Right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah, again, I don't. I I think I kind of went off on a bit of a thing, but um, no, that's okay. Yeah, that's kind of how I started with the spiral. Is that I just sort of wanted to make a percentile-based system that was a lot more intuitive. And we're going to kind of evolve from there.
0: Very cool. So is it something that you've kind of worked on pretty consistently over the last 10-ish years or, or something that you sort of like put down for a while and, and came back to?
1: Um, you no, know, the, the latter, I, w- I would say. It would, there would be like, you know, okay. long stretches of working on and then I just kind of, would have uh, you know a rough time yeah. of it or whatever in life in general yeah. maybe, and I would put it down and then I come mm-hmm. back to it three months later or a year later in some cases or um, yeah and whatnot. And I think to a certain extent, putting something down and coming back to it is healthy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Super
1: useful too because you you'll see things that you didn't see the first time around.
0: Oh, for sure. So, what's the biggest difference? I guess between uh, early spiral and current spiral.
1: Oh, there are things I don't even I don't even know if I want to talk about early spiral, <laughs> but um, uh, it's hard to remember though too because um, yeah, because there are certain there's so, oh well, I mean I I, I obviously um, reworked the stats like a hundred times over you know there it's a I made some very like. Now, some of the other games that I make that I make um, tabletop wise mm-hmm. maybe are a little bit more in the um, in the non traditional format in terms of like you know there are no failure state games or you know uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: games that I have like and you know a power pipe by the apocalypse hack and so forth um, and in in a lot of ways the last big revision round for spiral was over the past two years. And this is when I was already kind of a lot more influenced by other things as well. And more aware yeah. of a lot of the stuff that's out there. I, I, I would say that, um, that I, I intentionally at that point made some, some very kind of traditionalist decisions, but, but like early mm-hmm. on, I had no idea. Like I, just the names of the stats and which one, yeah. like it seems like such a small thing, but like figuring out something that's going to work across the board and is going to be, or across the board as much as possible and is going and, and it's sure. phrased a certain way. That's not, you know, intrusive. and doesn't suggest anything in particular uh, or doesn't, oh, doesn't yeah. suggest too much or too little. <laughs> it, it actually, mm-hmm. um, you know, choose, you know, going with like, the the old D and D spread seemed um, a little bit problematic for me just because I didn't like you know and this is this seems like a very small semantic thing but I didn't like the the fact that wisdom and intelligence are stats oh yeah yeah from I mean I, and I understand that that's been a thing that's existed for a long time and it is what it is but but I, I personally find it to be not something that I That I want to kind of suggest through my, through my design. So I went with, Mm -hmm. and and again, there were a lot of iterations because every time you change what the core stats are, the game changes in some ways. Yeah. And and, and that, yeah, that's probably one of the most, obviously there were a lot of changes, so it's hard to, to keep them straight, (laughs) but that was like a core thing that when it finally solidified, you know, it was like, okay, you know, here, here they are. And now it works the way that I want it to again. Um, so, so yeah, so I just went with knowledge and will, because those are not things that imply something that are, you know, that, or a, to a certain extent, I think everything does, but, uh, but they, they don't, they're not as, um, innate or inherent. And, uh, you know, I don't like this idea yeah. of like, oh, my character has, you know, five intelligence or nine intelligence. What does that mean? How am I supposed to role play them? And, and I right. just feel like figure out figure out their wisdom or whatever on your own and through your role play and, and, and intelligence in my opinion is not really it's a problematic concept in general in culture so
0: sure uh, yeah absolutely and and ter- you know having it be knowledge is that that sounds like something that oh I could acquire more of that if yeah. I want to but if I'm low on it it's cool yeah like- and and
1: there's a specialization system that basically you have you know your knowledge score uh your basic knowledge score and that's just your you know that's just what you know as like common knowledge but then you can take a specialization in i don't know uh 19th century occult history or something and um yeah. and then you have a plus 15 to that and uh, and you might even have a low general knowledge score but you're just really good at you know 19th century occult history you know you have that big bonus yeah. for that so you know i just kind of wanted to have that be a much more externalized idea and yeah and then there's and then there's some. i think the other other ones are pretty pretty straightforward there's fortitude finesse and uh, perception which they they kind of they do what they say in the tin you know
0: yeah yeah Yeah, those make sense I, i like that you brought up um keeping them broad enough but not not suggestive enough. I, we we've talked, I think at least about one other open system on the show before, and that came up mm-hmm. uh, that that like making sure that it fit basically any scenario that you wanted to run with it, but not suggesting really specific things. Like that's so hard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was that was the challenge of making it generalist, you know, because like yeah. you know if I'm if when I make something that's a little bit more um, kind of zoomed in to a specific either setting or genre, I tend to go with like genre because my personal tendency is like, if someone tells me to, to use a setting, I just have the op- this oppositional thing where I'm just like, no, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to make my own. So, you know, I just assume that other people uh, feel the same way, which obviously is not true, but yeah. Oh. So, 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 you know, I tend to go more towards like a genre, uh, but when I, you know, then you can come up with something that is specific and is very kind of Kind of evocative, uh, and that you know, and that, that works really well. But yeah, there, there's there's challenges in both, on both on both fronts. I think.
0: Oh, for sure, and I I like that you're building games uh, specifically for contrarians. Good. Yeah, Good that's, I mean, you know, we need games too. Yeah,
1: that's exactly, it. <laughs> it's for people like myself who uh, <laughs> who just will yeah will do the opposite of what you tell them to no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah
0: um cool and and so, the actual play that you have running right now that's a play test for the spiral mm-hmm. um what have you done a lot of play testing like uh with it on previous iterations
1: um no that's that's definitely part of the problem uh, i hadn't had a chance to do much more than like you know occasionally i would i would like years ago I would be able to run some version of it with a with a couple of friends but yeah, playtesting is one of those things that, uh, I don't know if this is talked about a lot, but there's like an accessibility thing there. You know, um, oh yeah, yeah, uh, you,
0: you need people. <laughs>
1: yeah, you need people and you need, um, you know, people to, you know, be able to show up with some consistency. And then obviously it's still labor, even if it's fun, you know, sure. so, um, and, and then of course a lot of, some of it does happen at like, as far as I know, some of it happens at conventions and things like that, but I, yeah, I've not been able to do conventions so far in my lifetime. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, we don't all live like a stone's throw from a convention. Yeah, so yeah, that's a real good point.
1: There's like cost issues, there's travel um, uh, yeah. um, issues and so forth. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to get to Metatopia maybe this year, but um, you know that's that's very cool. You know that's gonna. Require me to fundraise a bit, but we'll see.
0: But yeah, that's that's definitely uh, an issue that I think gets overlooked a lot is all the work and all of the resources that need to go into being able to play test in the first place.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah and wow. I was very happy to be able to do it with uh, you know with my group uh, on the podcast. You know, if, I can give them a shout out a little a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. You know, Eric and Ali and Jabari are, are fantastic, and you should have Jabari on on the show if you would like because because they're a fantastic designer and. They do art for tabletop games as well.
0: Yay! Yeah, they did, um, My favorite kind of people. Yeah, they did
1: the um, they did the uh, the new tarot deck for uh, for Bluebeard's Bride. <gasps> yeah, it's 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 fantastic!
0: Oh gosh, okay, it's
1: fantastic.
0: Oh, it is. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah. They they fan- they also did a lot of a lot of work for uh, for a Seven C deck, or I think all of like yeah, the sortie deck for Seven C. So it's yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just really, really um, grateful for them. You know, uh, for all for all three of them. You know, play testing and agreeing agreeing to play with me. Yeah. I think we have fun, but I, I did actually learn quite a bit about things that that work or don't work or the, the things that they, you know they might have wanted in the system that I kind of incorporated. Where like you know, I didn't initially think about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Have, has being able to do this playtesting consistently changed, like, how quickly you're editing or, like, making changes to the game, like, or, or the, the way in which you do that?
1: Uh, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, we're, we're on a sort of semi-hiatus right now uh, from, you know, the new year on just because life stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but our first sort of arc that we did, um, you know, those, those eight sessions, I think I, I managed to iterate on stuff. Uh, on, on a lot of the kind of new mm-hmm. things especially but also just things that I had not foreseen for example and this is this may sound really silly but I for some reason did not foresee that players may want to roll against each other at any point um <laughs> this, yeah mm-hmm. this, despite my contrary in nature I was just like oh they're all just gonna just yeah. gonna cooperate um,
0: everyone will get along yeah sure.
1: So we had to figure that out on the fly in the, on the podcast, oh, no. um, and then I was I, I just had to be like, well, that was fine as a solution for the moment, but let, I actually have to write this mechanic now, um, yeah. which seems like, of course, uh, somehow that didn't occur to me. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, a yeah. lot of iteration and, and just it, it was I think kind of an accelerant um, to an extent. You know, I try not to just just because. Again, playtesting is not something that I that I can reliably kind of access a lot of the times. I mm-hmm. try not to kind of make myself feel bad when it doesn't happen or when I kind of can't do it for a while. Just I try to play test it in my head all the time. I don't I don't yeah. know the um I don't know the uh how useful that is. But uh
0: I mean it's it's better than nothing. Yeah, it's like, better than
1: nothing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's the spiral, mm-hmm. more or less. Yeah. Um that you've been working on for quite a while. And then the other game that I wanted to talk a bit about was the Parable of the Pit. And that mm-hmm. one is a, that is a hack. That is a Powered by the Apocalypse game, right?
1: Yeah, that's a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Um, it's pretty stripped. It's a pretty stripped down Power of the Apocalypse game, but it does, yeah. you know, use the, the core resolution mechanics and it has some moves. And, well, yeah, it doesn't have playbooks. but
0: Yeah, I noticed that. That was interesting, too. Um, it, it does have those moves, and and what really got my interest in the like initially about it was it seemed like um, for Parable of the Pit, you had a very specific experience that you wanted to capture from the beginning. Yeah, um, you want to talk about that a little?
1: Uh sure. Yeah, that one's a little bit more conceptual. Um, I guess um, ultimately it kind of boils down to being a what I would call like a survival horror dungeon crawl because I I, I actually. <laughs> Um, you know, for all my love of, like, storytelling models and my occasional dis- disparaging comments about Pathfinder and so on, I do love mm-hmm. dungeon crawls and the idea. They're fun. Yeah, and just the idea of, like, a cool and weird and endless uh, subterranean labyrinth of some kind, you know, uh, as a concept. Sure. But then I, I also kind of wanted to to kind of change the parameters of that a little bit and kind of, because a lot of the kind of traditional fantasy stuff, uh, posits that as a heroic activity or as this either glamorous or just really fun or just very kind of, it's an activity of adventure and exploration and discovery, which I think is fantastic and great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of, I, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the idea of sort of the dungeon, not necessarily like a castle dungeon or But just this idea of a subterranean space as a metaphor for subconscious spaces and struggle and Mm -hmm. darkness and danger and things like that. And so I wanted to kind of bring that out a lot more. So it's more about – it's a survival kind of situation and it's it's disempowering kind of on purpose, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, As opposed to – you're not really – cast into the roles of heroes uh, in this particular kind of variant. You know, you're not, uh, you know, as in in Dungeon World, which I I love, um, but in Dungeon World they say very very explicitly and specifically um, that you are the wizard. You know, you are the ranger, you know, with the capital letter, you know, Uh, you're the best at what you do. And in this particular case, you are a person who may have some strengths and some weaknesses, uh, and you're in this really messed up place for whatever reason. You, you know, that's up to the GM to decide, I guess, or even for the players to decide. Uh, and you need to get out.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So, you know, and that
1: can be, you know, it can be hacked up and down a little bit. You can, you can probably, you know, do get in, steal the treasure and get out with very little modification if you wanted to, because, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, You've probably you know you have I know heard this before. The power of the apocalypse is great because you know it already exists and it already works. So you know that it mechanically does what it sort of needs to do. Just sort of mess around with parameters, which is nice.
0: Yeah. And everybody has to have a, an apocalypse world hack. It's,
1: exactly. it's the law. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I, I was just <laughs> sitting there when I went, you know, I, I, I was uh, when I when I had this idea, I didn't know what I was going to do with it mechanically. And then I was just like, well, I have to fulfill my quota. So.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> so might as well, you know
0: it sounds like yes this is open in its in its own way in that people could you know make the scenarios what they want or they could hack it further and make it a dungeon crawl you get in you get out but it kind of sounds like the point of this one is that it is it is dangerous it is a high mortality rate it is very difficult to survive this scenario um which yeah is- kind of unique i think like um like a a more intimidating dungeon crawl classics you know like you you are pro- very probably going to die but it won't be hilarious
1: right so. i mean it depends on i guess who you're playing with and what the general mood of the table is but yeah and and you know there's definitely uh there, there are certain parameters within the game that you can tweak to kind of make it a little bit more brutal or a little bit less brutal like um mm-hmm. Uh, and also that will depend on how improvisational you want to make it. It's actually, as far as just the design uh, philosophy behind it, like outside of the uh, thematic elements, which, you know, again, are just dungeon as metaphor in a sense. Uh, the, from a design perspective, I wanted to make it like as easy to pick up as, and play as possible. I'm still working mm-hmm. on that a little bit, but I think it largely does that, uh, which is, I think a nice little niche. There's not enough of, I know there's definitely games like that, but it's just like, oh, hey, let's play this without, you know, someone having to prep for three hours. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. And yeah, in in a certain case, I made that more for myself than anyone else, because I'm always, I always end up being the person where if I, if I do see some um, friends after a long time of not seeing them and they start talking about role-playing games, all of a sudden everyone looks at me and they're like, we have this now? <laughs>
0: like, yeah.
1: You know, um, yeah. and I, I don't, I don't have anything prepared. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. We, we don't all walk around with just eight, six different scenarios in our back pocket. though. some people do and that's yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah. Now I have more because I've been, you know, working on so many different things, but um, you know, generally, generally mm-hmm. I don't have them kind of just
0: there. Oh, for, for sure. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, that's that sort of um, mechanically. It's sort of intended to be as quickly, quickly accessible as possible. So um, you know, the character creation I would say is comparatively light. There are no playbooks. Um, there are no stats yeah. in Parable of the Pit. Really.
0: So how do you uh, make a character? Um, right. So
1: everyone has certain things that that they that like. Let's start at the same level. So their main kind of resource, because there's a lot of a sort of resource management element to this is breath, right? That's, that's an abstract um, representation of just HP, overall wellness, etc., Right. And then th- they have unique uh, gifts and unique curses or not so unique, but you, they, you pick from a list. So you can have two gifts and then you can have either two different curses or, uh, one curse with a minus two penalty. So just double down on the curse. Uh, and that's basically just plus the plot where the plus ones, uh, come from, you know, you can be erudite and empathetic. And then if, you know, if you're erudite and empathetic then anytime you're trying to do something that is, um, that sort of falls under that uh, broad category, you know, either under erudite or under empathetic, you get a plus one. If you do something that falls under mm-hmm. uh both erudite and empathetic, then you get a plus two, because they do stack. And that's you know up to GM determination uh and you know, a lot of I'm a little bit loose in, in that sense, uh, you know, just like do what you want. Do what you what makes sense to you. Sure. Yeah. There's actually a whole section in this is in spiral that just that's just called do what makes sense. Um, but, uh, so that's basically, and then you have, um, assets, um, you know, objects you can use to add bonuses, but breath and, uh, assets, uh, can both kind of, so basically this is kind of one of those risk reward type situations where, and it's also kind of a percentile system only done with D sixes where you start off with six breath and then you, every time you want to add a point to your role. Um, you can kind of commit a point of breath to that. And then you roll against that six. So if you get a six or over, you'll lose a point of breath. And so next time
0: you have to roll,
1: you know, so it's it's one of those like kind of death spiral (laughs) situations where it starts off as, you know, oh, I have plenty and I'm not super likely to lose it. And then as soon as you lose your first couple of points, you start to realize that maybe you need to to conserve let's conserve it a little bit. And and the assets work in very much the same way. So those are just general. Those items that you get and they have six points of durability or four points of durability or whatever, um, six system max. And then you roll a D6 just to figure out if you lose a point or not. Uh, So everything is very brittle potentially. And the idea there being is sort of the metaphor of like trying to dig your way out of a out of a, a, a pit with a with a rusty spoon. I guess. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. It doesn't have to be a rusty spoon. It could be something cooler, but, um,
0: (laughs) still difficult. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So everyone starts with like one, with one asset and, and then, you know, a couple of gifts and curses and then they can pick stuff up and try to do moves and so forth as they progress. But there's a lot of chance to,
0: how do they get out the, the nigh impossible win condition, I guess. Yeah.
1: So, um, if if the if the GM or I call as I call it, the warden you know because it's like the warden and the prisoners, if the, mm. <laughs> you know if the warden um, sort of wants to make a custom dungeon, they absolutely are welcome to do so. Uh, but obviously that requires prep. in the, In this sort of improvisational variant, the idea is that there are counters. Uh, they're similar to I guess clocks in in sort of other systems that. You have a chance to, decre- to decrement, to decrement, to to um you know take a point off of, but only a chance. Every time you move, discover a new place, every time you roll a ten, and every time you um well, sometimes the GM can just reward you with one when you do something cool or you know role play really well or or whatnot. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, and and I think you get one for free every time you move to a new location, um, and so it's basically just uh, the idea of the dungeon. You know, a lot of times you have multiple floors and then in the floors you have various chambers and things like that so it's this big maze and labyrinth but there are sort of distinct elements to it so there are basically two two counters sticking at any one time one is for the whole dungeon and one is just for the floor you're on or it doesn't have to be a floor it could be a dark forest it could be um, a junkyard it could be a space station you know whatever you happen to be kind of exploring but um, yeah there's locations and zones. Um and so zones are the the big ones and I, I said it initially I, I tried it out with if you had six zones and uh, not six zones, but if you had a zone counter set at six and then location counter set at six and then you do it the same way you do breath or asset durability where you roll and if you roll um six or uh over or you roll your score or over, then you decrement it, but in this case it's good. However, that just creates sprawling massive impossible dungeons and if you really yeah. like that's fine if that's what you want um and you know I, I i set it up a little bit more uh reasonable uh as a default the default is, is a little bit more reasonable now now you now the gm gets to decide how big it is in terms of zones or floors or whatever if they can only have one if they want to have a very short game or three or whatnot and uh and then the locations they have they still have that counter mechanic, and it's called the egress um, counter pardon, you know mm. a little yeah, okay. that's a good word, and you know I, I i flirted with making the name of the game egress, but uh I already had like a twine game that was called egress, and you know <laughs> recycle names.
0: yeah, oh, yep, no, no not allowed. <laughs> No one's ever done that, and yeah, you're not allowed it's, to. It's,
1: it's forbidden. But uh, but yeah, it's called an egress egress counters, and um, and that's kind of the the area right now that I'm still sort of working on a little bit because I want to make sure that I want to I want to I want to set up like the next next step, which I didn't initially. Uh, I think when we first communicated and first talked, that uh, I didn't have this this in mind initially. But I kind of want to make sure that the GM or the warden has enough tools and enough prompts where they can improvise, but they don't have to constantly rack their brains. So, um, so right now I'm just flirting with an idea of actually giving the, which is weird, but giving the GM like a quote unquote character sheet, but it's really just a note taking sheet where they can take notes on what, what kind of horrible thing they want to do to their players, a couple of rooms down the line yeah. And kind of formatting that a certain way. Um, and then having beast and threat generation roles where they can kind of procedurally create monsters or, or traps or situations a little bit, like based on some broad guidelines. And that, I'm not sure if that's gonna be a thing, but, um, but right now that's kind of the, the, the extra bit that I'm playing with, um, in terms of like adding that on.
0: Oh, cool. That's a cool thought. I like that. Yeah.
1: It, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it might work. It might not, but it's worth it in yeah. investigating. Um, yeah. Cause I, I did a, I did one proper play test of this. Like, um, I only, but, mm-hmm. and I have one and I have a quote unquote play test of it running on, uh, a play by post. Situation. Actually, on the website, you had the um, creator of that website on your show, um, the gamers. Oh,
0: uh, gamers, gamer's Plan. Yeah, yeah. I
1: wanted to give that a try.
0: Very cool. It is very
1: cool. Um, play by post is, is just is a is trippy. Oh you
0: know? yeah. Um, it's a whole different animal. Yeah.
1: So you know, uh, it's been a couple of months. They've almost they've almost gotten into <laughs> into a situation. <laughs> <You know? laughs> It, it takes a while. Yeah. There's been a lot of Uh-oh. talking and role playing back and forth, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's there good. was one one die roll so far.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh.
1: So it's a very, yeah, that's it's good. a very interesting pace for um
0: oh.
1: I'm sure it depends on I wanted to try it out and see how it goes, just really for myself mm-hmm. and for fun more than anything. Um
0: oh, yeah. yeah. That's a cool idea. Yeah, if if you're not looking to play test something, uh it, in a hurry, yeah. <laughs> play by post definitely seems like a cool way to do it. Um, Turtle style, basically. Yeah, you get to you get to play with people who I, I feel like there's definitely an overlap between people who do play by post and people who like write fan fiction. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So
1: yeah, one hundred percent. Fan fiction is fantastic. Mm. You know.
0: Oh yeah, it is absolutely. So this is the best way to get like the novel version of your game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's with play by post. Oh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy.
1: I mean, it's a very it's very different uh, than I envisioned. But I've been really mm-hmm. enjoying reading the stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like I'm picking on them, but I love it. It's yeah, so it's, good. It's,
1: it's great. <laughs> it's just like so much character development. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like really, really great. Yeah. And um, I did one like traditional playtest of it. And, you know, again, Powered by the Apocalypse largely works, but it did, you know, it, it, it did kind of solidify that I had to kind of simplify the egress stuff a little bit, which I did. Mm. Um, Cause I ended up just sort of throwing a lot of the counter stuff away in the moment because I didn't have a, well also in that particular day I probably also didn't have the capability to handle the cognitive load of it
0: um, mm, that's important
1: but um, it was great my uh, you know, I, my friend of mine from a long time ago was in town for a couple of days and, and his wife had never played uh, any tabletop games before and by the end of it she was like so into it uh, so,
0: oh, that's it's very good. exciting
1: to see that. You know, it was just like, because we're like reaching an end, and she's like, no, but what do we do now? We have to <laughs> take care of this other thing, and I'm like, oh, maybe next time. But we've been playing for four hours.
0: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. I love those stories. I love when when somebody gets yeah. hooked. Like that's so good. Yeah, I,
1: mean, I was I was like, well, you should go and should, like play with more people and do stuff. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah. But you know, it largely worked in the playtest, so that's good.
0: That that's good. That's yeah. hopeful. And so, like on the surface, this this the Spiral and the Parable of the Pit, like they sound like super different games. Like the Spiral being really open, and Parable having like a very kind of specific experience in mind. But um, but as we were talking, it sounded like they both helped each other. You know, while, while as you were working on them. So like, what's um. What's one of the ways that like Parable helped you figure out something in the spiral or vice versa? Um,
1: a lot of it goes from spiral to parable, but there there were cases I think oh, cool. uh, there were cases I think where, where parable kind of uh, reflected back a little bit. But um I think I think a big one is and this is just, again, my uh, a personal design choice because I, I know that some people will like this sort of thing and some people will definitely not like this sort of thing. But I like the idea of sort of very interpretive skill systems where, you know, I don't give you like a, a list of skills and you get to pick them or, or whatnot. But um, the, the, the idea that things can be kind of defined and there there a lot of the freedom can be given to sort of the players and the, the GM and the people kind of experiencing the game have
0: yeah. to
1: map out every little is basically the, the the idea that crunch is not, is not a requirement <laughs> or necessity. Um, cause yeah. I, I think, I think probably that to answer a very a question you asked a very long time ago, I guess, uh, earlier on, um, that's probably one of the biggest differences of the early versions of spiral were just so much more crunchy because I didn't know. I, didn't, I mean, oh, okay. I was trying to simplify it, but I didn't know how mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. And I kept modeling like, okay, well, what if, what if the you know, character is in the desert and they've been bitten, stung by a scorpion, but the, and the poison is, you know, and, and all this other stuff, like how do I model po- mm-hmm. different kinds of poisons? And, you know, Wow. That yes. also, um, you know, reflects on how the priorities of, I think, um, a lot of popular games are. It's, it's very much about those kinds of things, uh, which is cool. But then in eventually, and, and, I, and I think Spy, it definitely came with Spiral first, and it, it carried over to Parable, and it carried over to a lot of the other things that I've done. I kind of decided, especially for, like, skills and so forth, that I'll, I'll let the, the players make up... A number of their own. They get certain types of bonuses for them, you know, certain numbers. Um, their numbers are consistent, but they get to basically in negotiation with the GM say, okay, so I want um, my character to be able to do this, 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 and this. Um, how do I build that? Mm-hmm. You have six skills to six slots to fill in. You just put words in them. That's literally it, you know? And then those words become, um, become kind of, the definitions and they, they they become the influence influence behind your bonuses and things like that and then the same thing with the uh, even broader sort of skill system is there is a vocation and avocation system in um uh, or concept in spiral where sort of your first you have those six skills and then you have two big broad categories of the things that you're good at and you know let's say you're an i don't know uh, an alchemist or some such, right? And that's your that's your voc- vocation. Uh, basically, it means you get 15% bonus on everything that an alchemist, that is a major part of what an alchemist does every day, a 10% bonus on a secondary application of an alchemist, uh, you know, being an alchemist, and 5% bonus for something that if you're an alchemist, you might be a little bit better at than an average person, but it's not your main thing. Mm-hmm. And that's very interpretive. That's very much for the GM to say. Okay, I'll give you a plus fifty on this, or I'll give you a ten on this one. I'll give you a five on that. Or that's a stretch. I'm not going to give you anything on that. That's not an alchemist uh, alchemist thing. And, and very similarly in Parable of the Pit, that's kind of how it came into the gifts and the curses and and subtra- I think subtractive kind of design um, is the biggest like overarching uh, lesson that i personally learned from from all of that basically the idea that
0: mm-hmm.
1: you you can build up a pile of junk and then <laughs> and then you can take bits away and just sort of see what happens you yeah. know you initially you when you first start designing something a lot of times the process is additive just by by its very nature right um, you're, you're making something mm-hmm. out of nothing sometimes and uh yeah, in in, in basically, uh, you have to kind of remember, or I, I I have to kind of remember, and I don't know how much it applies to anyone else, but I have to remember. Then okay, now now it's time to start chopping things off and procedurally mm-hmm. in, in both cases, even though they are very very different uh, games systemically. Procedurally, as far as like my design process, that's a major thing that I learned from that age that I that eon that I've been working on Spiral for. Yeah, and, and you know it applies to a couple of other. I, I, I've a uh, couple of other games that I made. Some a lot of them again did not take ten years. Um, I recently, <laughs> yeah, I recently That's released okay. one, uh, and it's free on the itch um, called uh, "By Hook or By Crook" or "The Gilded Cage," um, and it's Ooh. yeah, it's intended to basically uh, model very specifically escape from the gilded cage scenarios, which is like the the TV show. Both TV shows, uh, TV show versions of The Prisoner. Uh, mm. That's a, a very strange oh, okay. um, nineteen. I think was it sixty-seven or eighty-seven? Eighty-seven. Uh, it's old old TV show where the guys on the island and it's all real weird, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think I know what you're talking about. And and, and, and that
1: yeah, and it, it and there was one with Ian McKellen uh, very recently. That's that's even weirder.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, like
1: Ian McKellen's a, is an international treasure, probably. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a, uh, but yeah, and I think all of them kind of feed into each other because I, you know, I love that death spiral mechanic. I just love the that you know you think you have a full um, kind of kind of that full meter, but then every time you use that power, there's a chance that 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 meter is going to go down, and then from that point, you actually have a higher chance the meter is going to go down and then an even higher chance. Um, and I think like, yep. as far as my favorite mechanics, that's, that's one I like a lot. Again, that's not necessarily uh, everyone's yeah. back, but it's one that I think I've started putting into everything <laughs> at this point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. It feels very true to life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like and, and a lot of, a lot of the stuff with parable was very much like it's, it's, Purely like a dungeon crawler, so I'm not, I, I make no claims. But it very much has to do with like personal experience, you know, of dealing with difficulty. Yeah. So uh, sure, it's I feel like that kind of system works really, really well for um for when you're dealing with uh, resource management that you don't like like the the spoon the spoons you know the spoon theory yeah. Mm -hmm. when you don't know for sure how many you're going to have that day and how much energy you're going to have that day and if it can just drop off all of a sudden. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's very stressful, so good job.
1: Life, you know.
0: Yeah. I thought games were supposed to be an escape, Alex.
1: I mean, yeah. That's that's why it's like there are layers of metaphors and uh, and so on. on.
0: No, I'm I'm just picking on you. Man, all right, so is there anything else that you'd like us to know about the spiral or parable of the pit or any of your other projects even last thoughts we should know
1: um uh, i mean no, nothing super particular uh I, I mean I have a website which is just alex a k a l e k s oh sorry no the the games are actually on an easier to to spell website uh the cl- the <laughs> dot com so the mm. cloud monster, it'll just how it sounds. Uh, that come, uh, cool. under the product section, I just have a like a listing of all the things that I'm currently, um, kind of working on categorized by whether it's something that's coming out very soon, whether it's something that it's, that is kind of in, in process. And then there's something that I'm kind of like working on, but who knows? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yup. Yeah. So, so I kind of have uh, information on that. Uh, and then, you know, there's links right there to the itch stuff as well. Because right now, I just put them, put my stuff on itch, which is not, I guess, awesome. yeah, it's not the traditional tabletop um, place, but it's, yeah. it's it works. It's just really easy to uh, use. Um, and yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's gaining some traction. You're uh, you're not the first person I've heard recently. Yeah, I I, internet, so.
1: I think like one last job was on there as well. And
0: uh, yeah, I wouldn't so, be surprised. Yeah.
1: and it's 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 a great platform. I mean, it's mostly. F- you, traditionally been for like you know digital games but i i like to put out pdfs on there um and um and spiral I, I don't know when when um the this episode will air but um or will, will go up but um it'll probably be a version of spiral will probably be available for uh, purchase download uh by then cool. um, it's like it's going to be like a 5 dollar pdf and a ashcan pdf essentially on some you know, awesome. it, um, and I'll I'll try to get a people uh, EPUB uh, out as well as soon as possible.
0: Nice, you know,
1: and um, and if you give that five dollars and any updates I put I put out, you just get them. You know, uh, it's the same thing.
0: Cool. So we'll we'll have those links, and uh, and I think the show will be up in probably two yeah, weeks. Okay. So so yeah, at worst, just uh, bookmark it and come back and then get the game. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Where, where can we find you, Alex, um, online? On
1: on the Twitter, I am uh, at uh, Alex underscore S. And again, Alex is spelled A-L-E-K-S, um, not an X. There's no X in there. Uh, so that's that's the only major barrier to finding me. Um, and then I have a uh, Patreon, um, which I'm kind of relaunching at this point. Like, um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of to support smaller projects like the by hook and by crook game and things like that Some micro games or small modules or things like that that I hope to be putting out more of in the near future um, and that's at the patreon.com slash feed the Alex <laughs> so again alex is spelled the same way and then the itch uh, page is the Alex again spelled, as I said before dot I-T-C-H. so itch dot io Yeah, cool. Those are the places.
0: All right. Cool. Thank you so much, Alex. This was awesome. Thank
1: you. Yeah, this was fantastic. Long-time listener, first-time caller.
0: (laughs) Yay, my favorite. Huge thanks again to Alex for chatting with me, and you can find links to their games in the show notes. That's it for this week, heroes. You can find Modifier mostly on Twitter, at Modifier Podcast. We also have a Tumblr, Facebook, and G+, with varying levels of upkeep success, all under the same Modifier Podcast name. You can email me directly with questions, comments, or show suggestions at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is a proud member of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts that include shows like One Shot, Campaign, Backstory, Adventure, Neo Scum, System Mastery, and Talking Tabletop. Adventure is an actual play podcast hosted by Pranks Paul that focuses on generating fan fiction for established books, TV shows, and movies through tabletop gaming. Adventure will feature a rotating cast of players in a variety of media properties. Find out more about all these shows at oneshotpodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at katgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then.